guys i'm back welcome back to the cafe binge podcast after months of no podcasting after months of taking it easy and not podcasting because i had some stuff going on and it didn't feel aligning it didn't feel like fun and i'm gonna get into all of the reasons why I didn't podcast, um, where I've been, people have been asking where I've been, why I was in California, lots of other questions, um, which I will talk all about because today I really want to talk about an aspect of ourselves and I mean by that I guess I truly mean an aspect or side of myself that we, I, don't like talking about very often. A side that maybe we don't talk about at all. Maybe something we've never talked about. Um, The gray area of our lives we really like avoiding because it feels scary. I want to talk about our shadow selves today. What is the shadow self? Why we have it? And yeah, we all have a shadow. And finally, how to integrate the shadow self. How I, on this podcast, am going to start integrating it. Um, so this shadow self, this is something that over the past months, maybe over the past year two years, I don't know. I've been learning so much about. It's this idea, this concept that when it was introduced to me made total sense. Um, The shadow self is a side of us that we keep hidden. It's a part of us that we reject because we think it's not worthy of being seen or That if others saw it, they would reject and judge us. In short, the shadow side of us is the part of us that we keep hidden. We don't let others see. And I think it honestly all starts during childhood when we're very, very young and impressionable. Children are sponges and they absorb all of these societal rules and norms, sometimes subconscious rules that the world, their families, peers, parents have. Your shadow, my shadow, is basically just, it encompasses all the parts of us that we try to hide from others. It's the side of us that we don't want others to see because that little inner child in us thinks that we will get in trouble for or be rejected for or it'll make us unworthy or unloved. And as little babies, we come into the world 
so loved and so adored and so worthy. And as we're growing up through our toddler years, through our childhood, we're then taught that certain things, if we do certain things or practice a certain behavior, we're then unlovable or unworthy because we're punished or because we're made fun of or because we're condemned or whatever it is. Okay, let me explain this a little bit more. So maybe as a little child, you wanted to eat some cookies. Maybe there was a bag of delicious cookies with chocolate chips in them or sprinkles on top. They were in your pantry and they were so delicious. They were so exciting and were calling to you and you wanted some cookies. But your mom wouldn't let you have them. Maybe she said they were going to spoil your appetite. Um, Maybe she said you could only have cookies on special occasions like the weekends or whatever. Or maybe... Your mom was afraid of sugar herself and she unknowingly was scared of it on your behalf. Maybe she thought cookies would make you fat because she thought they would make her fat and then she projected that onto you. I don't know what the story was. There could be lots of stories. But because of this, you absorbed this subconscious belief about cookies, a shadow, a story about them. Let's say it became the belief that they weren't healthy and that they would make you fat. But you still wanted the cookies because they were delicious and exciting. So when your mom wasn't looking, you grabbed some and you ran to your closet to eat them because you were safe to eat them alone without your mom or anyone judging you. And that was so fun. But you felt ashamed about it. You were scared that your mom would catch you or... Maybe she did catch you and then you absorbed more shame and the shadow became a little bit darker. So going along with this cookie story, this example, maybe this habit grew, the impulse to hide these sweet, decadent foods that you loved. And as you grew, the shadow grew. So it led to hiding candy bars in your sock drawer because you thought that sugar and treats should be hidden because they would make you fat and you thought people would judge you or maybe you would go through the fast food drive throughs and eat McFlurries alone in your car. Maybe this shadow side of you led you to waking up in the middle of the night and sneaking down to the kitchen while your husband slept and binging until your stomach hurt on all of the things you wanted to eat but for some reason you thought were unacceptable and unlovable. So maybe you binged and then you purged the food up all from shame. This is the shadow side. It's the side that's always fueled by shame. It's our secretive side. It's our ego side that wants to keep us safe and loved and accepted and will do what it needs to do to be able to be worthy of that love and acceptance that we've been taught we deserve by playing along with the rules that society outlines, right? And it's always ruled by shame. 
this known or unknown shame that we're avoiding governs it so much of our lives. It rules us. It directly affects our self-worth. The more shadow aspects we have, the more we're embarrassed of or trying to hide or avoid, the lower our self-worth will be. So we can do all of the self-love practices in the world, the bubble baths, the face masks, the Sephora shopping sprees, juice cleanses. But if our self-worth is low because of that subconscious shadow, the shame-based side, our self-love practices aren't doing much. We're still going to feel unworthy, unworthy of love or to truly be seen for exactly who we are in our most authentic state. And I think what we as humans want more than anything is just to feel loved and seen and worthy for exactly who we are, for our most true authentic selves. From a young age, we shape our lives with these stories that we've collected about ourselves. And so we wear these masks of what we think we should be, what would be cool, what would be likable, acceptable, and make us more worthy, right? And we get really good at wearing the masks too. Our shadows are just the little kid side of us, that inner child that feels scared and unworthy, unloved, and just tries to cope by hiding things. Our fears of being unaccepted, seriously, rule so much of our lives. They rule so much of our lives. Um, This past January, I was at my parents' house and I was talking to my mom about kind of some heavy stuff I was going through, which I will address more of that later. And I was asking her, what would life even be like without the shadow? And she had no clue what I was talking about. And I asked her, what would she do if she had no fear? What would she do if she didn't care what others thought of her? What would she do if she didn't worry about offending others? Not being rude, no, but just being authentically herself and letting people think whatever they wanted to. And also making her needs known and setting boundaries. And I remember we just sat there both saying we didn't even know what a life like that would feel like. Complete freedom in ourselves. I don't even think we realize how much we let fear and our shadow sides dictate our lives. So look within yourself right now as you're listening and ask, what am I hiding? What parts of me are unlovable? What about me makes me unworthy And honestly, guys, chances are you already know. You already know what you're hiding about yourself. Um, Maybe within your shadow side is drug or substance abuse. Maybe it's disordered eating, overeating, binging, purging, or not eating at all. Or maybe it's overexercising. Maybe in your shadow you have all of these fears around money. Maybe it's debt that you're embarrassed about. Maybe you have creditors calling and emailing you. Um, Maybe you've stolen money. Maybe it's abuse you've gone through. Maybe you were sexually abused as a child. Is it your weight? Do you think you're too heavy to be loved? Or maybe it's your age. 
Do you feel like you're too old? Is it your sexual identity or just your sexuality? Maybe the fact that you're a sexual being who desires sex makes you feel shame. Maybe the fact that you don't like sex at all and don't want to be intimate with your husband. Um, Maybe that brings you shame. Is it your race? Is it your socioeconomic background? Is it your parents' wealth or lack thereof, their success, their careers? Are you ashamed about cellulite or the shape of your body? Is it the shape or size of your nose? Is it your height? Um, Maybe it's that you've never been out of the country and you feel sheltered. Maybe it's that you love sleeping in and society taught you that it's lazy to sleep. Do you feel shame that you don't have enough friends or too few Instagram followers? Maybe you don't feel like you can make friends. You think people don't like you. You don't know how to be a good conversationalist. Maybe you don't think you're funny enough, pretty enough, rich enough, likable enough. Maybe you don't feel smart enough because you don't know how to do math and you cheated your way through school. Maybe you don't feel like you have an impressive vocabulary and you forget your words. Maybe you have shadows surrounding your health. You have IBS. You wet the bed. I don't know. You have a heavy period flow. You wear adult diapers. It can be anything. Maybe you've had an abortion. Maybe you can't get pregnant. Maybe you've had 12 miscarriages. Maybe you don't want to get pregnant. You don't want to be a mom, but people expect you to and you feel shame for that. Maybe you don't want to work at all and you want to be a stay-at-home mom and you feel shame because people think that you're not ambitious. Maybe you've never had a serious relationship. Maybe you feel shame about never having a boyfriend or never having been kissed. Um, maybe you're a woman and you want to start trying to date another woman and you feel shame about that. Maybe you don't like religion and you want to be free of the one you were raised in, but feel so much shame about that. Um, maybe you're in an unhealthy relationship and that brings shame and you're afraid to tell people. Maybe you've had a breast augmentation. Maybe you have a flat chest. Maybe you have a naturally large bus that you hate Um, Maybe you were bullied as a kid and your self-worth was brought so low because people told you you were ugly or stupid or poor or weak or whatever it is. Maybe you have stretch marks on your thighs and on your hips. Maybe you think the shape of your vagina is weird. You can have shadows about everything. All of these untruths living in this shadow side of you and there are things about you that you think are so unlovable and unworthy so we try to hide. We all have stories. We all have a shadow side. We're all embarrassed of things. We feel shame and we hide these parts of us. And you can usually tell what your shadow is By asking yourself, what would I be humiliated over if somebody found out about me? What are the things that I wouldn't dare to reveal to others? Especially the people that I care about and respect their opinions most out of everyone. What are the traits in yourself that others have rejected? 
or that were deemed unworthy and unlovable and like taking that back to childhood what were the things about us that we felt shame or rejection over if we acted a certain way or if we wanted something or had desires or acted out a certain behavior we were deprived of love and attention and acceptance ask yourself really stop the episode right now if you want to you can pause it and make a list get out a piece of paper and a pen or just the notes app on your phone and if you can't right now just mentally make a list but write it down later it's so 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 helpful I promise this is something that has changed my life when we understand what our shadow is and what stories we're telling ourselves what things make us feel so small and why we wear the masks that we do. Be so very honest with yourself. Write it all down. Get it out. The most just shameful parts of yourself, the things that you find the ugliest and the most embarrassing, the most just humiliating parts of yourself write it down all of the shadows what makes you feel small as a kid what did you try to hide what made you feel small and as an adult right now what are you trying to hide shine light on that stuff write it down um i have shadow stuff about so many things like as i think back to my childhood the funny things that i did um like as a little kid i remember I remember loving some of the hot school lunches that my peers hated, like that they thought was so gross and I love them secretly. Like I remember loving these chicken patties or the chicken fried steak. I thought that as a little kid, I had adult taste buds because my peers didn't like what I liked and they thought it was gross. And so I would like sneak bites of my school lunch when no one was looking or I'd wait for my friends to leave and then I'd finish my lunch and it's so sad to think about it right now um so sometimes even now as an adult I've carried some of that shadow with me to where I think that I have weird taste buds and that no one will like what I like even though I feel like I have really good taste and I love cooking for others um but I can just think of so many shadowy aspects of myself that are rooted in my childhood And it was so helpful to just make a list, to write it all down, all of the painful experiences and the things that trigger embarrassment right now, the things that I was hiding from and I'm still hiding from. So over these past six months since January, I've been kind of on this break, an unintentional break really. I don't think I ever intended on being away for so long. I haven't really podcasted. I kind of stopped when I had some momentum. I just stopped. Um, I've been off and on on Instagram, not really blogging or writing, and I've just been in survival mode, Um, discovery mode, healing mode, exploring mode. I've been in this space of discovering what truly matters to me, what I truly, truly value, what lights me up, and asking myself if what I'm doing is adding any value at all. Because I don't want to podcast for the sake of podcasting. 
I really, truly do want to add value to your lives, to whoever is listening to this. And it just got to this point where I didn't know if I was. I want to do things from the right place with the right motivation, not for building myself up at all, not for shining a light on myself, but just helping, just being a place of light and love. And over the past six months in doing all of this and in asking these questions, I've really met my shadow self and greeting this other side of me that I've kept hidden and really wanting to discover and allow this shadow self to appear and to integrate these parts of myself. I've wanted to examine all of these suppressed parts of myself that I've been running from to to ask where they came from, to find out, um, and then to just shine light on them and invite them to stay. Because I've found more than anything that these parts of us that that we hide from and that we don't want to look at are the parts of us that need healing more than anything, right? It's just the places that need healing. The mistakes that we make, they're showing us where we need to heal. I think I started this work, the shadow work, years ago. Um, Even though I was doing it unknowingly, when I read Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life, I have talked about this book so many times, Um, but it was just accepting all the parts of me. Um, But I really understood this process more, the process of integrating the shadow and even calling it the shadow and then healing it. This became way more acute when I discovered Lacey Phillips and her manifestation course and her curriculum. And if you don't know of Lacey, she's this incredible manifestation coach. If you're into the law of attraction or Abraham Hicks or Napoleon Hill or Jen Sincero um, and you're interested in manifestation, I would highly recommend checking her out. She's just another tool in the toolbox of unlocking and unblocking. But anyways, so she outlines this process of manifestation and the fact that you can't manifest from a place of low self-worth. For example, I love affirmations, which that's Louise Hay 101. I've been doing affirmations for years, like looking in the mirror, repeating affirmations, talking to myself, right? Um, When I wake up in the morning and look in the mirror, I say, I love and accept you, Amy, just as you are. And as I go to bed at night, as I'm laying there, closing closing my eyes, I repeat over and over as I'm laying down, I am safe, all is well, all good things are coming to me. So going back to this self-worth thing, I've noticed that whenever I would try to integrate affirmations, repeat affirmations about money, like I am healthy, I am wealthy, or my income increases daily, I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't say wealth or money or rich or all of these words that were tied to money and wealth. I couldn't write them down even if I was writing like gratitude journals. Um, And if I did write it down, I just couldn't believe it. 
Um, and I'll talk more about this block a little later on in the podcast. Um, but I had this block there that I recognized. For some reason, my self-worth didn't match the wealth that I was trying to attract or manifest. Or I guess what I thought it meant to be wealthy. I subconsciously didn't feel worthy of it because there was this shadow there. So because I've been doing this Louise Hay positive self-talk affirmations, positive thinking stuff for years, I've noticed that I've had this subconscious block for years and I couldn't figure out like why I couldn't get behind what I was trying to attract and manifest. So when I heard about Lacey Phillips um, and her work on To Be Magnetic, um, that's her website, and I will link all of her stuff in the show notes for you guys, so if you want to check it out, you can. But it clicked for me because I already recognized I had this block within me. The self-worth didn't match what I wanted. And so in her process, among some other really key components, one big thing you need to do to be completely magnetic and unblocked is to integrate the shadow part of you. All the shadow, the shame-based stuff, all of the stuff that you're embarrassed about, you need to deal with and integrate. And to integrate it, Lacey Phillips talks about sharing it. You have to share it. You have to own your stuff. The things that you've been hiding must be shared because once you shine light on the shadow by revealing it, especially to the people that you most want to impress or their opinions you most value or you're scared of disappointing, you have to reveal it. You're no longer confined to this like self-made prison after revealing it. Um, I remember watching this Tony Robbins clip on YouTube once. It was a few months back. And in it, he was talking to this lady. And I think she was crying. And he was helping through he was helping her through all of these blocks. And you know the way he kind of does it if you're familiar with him. He's like kind of tough love for a little while. And she was crying and she was telling him about her life and why she was so sad and so stuck and that she had been abused from a very young age and molested. And she had babies when she was really young. She had never had abundance and she just felt stuck. And she tells him this whole story And then she kind of gasps and says, oh my goodness, I forgot my coworkers were here with me. And he said something like, well, now they know your story. So you don't have to hide that anymore. You're free. And that hit me. What we don't own owns us. What we do not own owns us. So... Have you guys ever been in the position where you are so afraid that someone will find out something about you, especially if someone else knows this thing and you're afraid that they're going to like rat you out? It's scary, right? Like anytime you feel like your secret is on the verge of coming out because a word is mentioned or something, you get that heavy gut just like, hot, sweaty, blood through the veins feeling, right? But what if it's just as simple as taking back your power? 
by saying the things you don't want others to know about you first. If you just say it, if you own it, you're free. Because walking through fears will grow our self-worth. The things that we're afraid to do, we spend so much time and energy avoiding them that if we just walk through the fear, we'd realize that one, we're okay, it wasn't as bad as we thought, and then we're free. You're just free of it. And what I want for me and for you is to be completely free and unblocked. I want us all to live without shame or embarrassment and recognize our total worth. I want our self-worth to be so high that we're completely magnetic and unblocked. We're not afraid of others finding our unlovable parts because there are none. Because we know we're completely and totally lovable because we exist. Because we give ourselves the love that we crave. We're worthy because we're creations of God and we're able to manifest whatever dream we have as big as we can dream because our worth matches that. Let's be free. So in my quest for freedom, I want to out myself. I want to shine light on my shadows and I know that this is just the beginning of the beginning. It's one of those like Shrek onion layer things where you can integrate shadow for a while and as you peel back layers you realize that there's more there. Our shadows run deep and things will surface where you will feel small again or you'll notice that you're feeling embarrassed again or shame again which means it's time to out yourself again to offer yourself love again. If you're ever feeling like you want to hide something then own it. What you don't own, owns you. So I know that shadow work is kind of a long process, but I want to start at least. I figure if I can share things with thousands of you on the podcast, I'll be pretty outed. And that feels like total freedom to me. It feels like total freedom to be able to share my stuff and not give a crap what you guys think of me. Um, I love all of you guys so much, but I don't care what you think of me and that feels like total freedom. So my shadows. You guys, I have shadows and some pretty deep dark shadows. I have them surrounding money, like I mentioned, sexuality, religion, my appearance, honestly, probably so many other things, but these are the ones I want to really get into today. And I just hope that in me doing so, it gives you permission to do the same, to be brave, to be free by just loving yourself enough to not care what anyone else thinks, to know that your true authentic self is totally lovable and that no matter what you've done, what mistakes you've made, what things you're embarrassed about, it's all okay and you're still worthy of love and acceptance. So as I share my stories, I don't want to give the false impression that I'm playing the victim. This is not the victimization of Amy, not at all. This isn't me saying I'm not at fault. This is me just sharing my story. 
and understanding where my shadows came from. But we are each responsible for designing our own lives. It's not our parents' fault that we have the lives that we have. It's not our past fault or bullies we've had or the hard things that we've gone through. It's our duty right now to take control back, to take control of your life and to stop believing all of those limiting beliefs and stories. It's our duty to drop the shame. It's our duty to take this stand in our life and to not play the victim anymore. Again, I hope that in me just airing my dirty laundry and sharing my stuff, it gives you permission to do the same, to just not be afraid and to share your shadows as I share mine. So let's start by saying that I was raised in a very religious household and also in a very religious state, in a city, in a neighborhood. I live in Utah. Um, Some of my listeners are from Utah, so I'm guessing you'll understand what I'm talking about. And if you're not, you probably know a little bit of what I'm talking about. Utah is a pretty religious state. And I'd say that the majority of the people here are the same religion. And I was raised in Utah County in Orem, Utah, which is like the epicenter of it all, the most concentrated area of all of these people who belong to the same religion, which means that the neighborhood I grew up in, the majority of everyone belonged to the same religion. And what this means is that the culture of the religion and the religion itself got kind of muddled. There were things that my community does and did culturally that I don't think are necessarily a part of the religion, but they became so integrated. Um, And in my household growing up, we were pretty orthodox. We followed all of the rules and then some. And again, I'm not here at all to badmouth my upbringing, my the religion I was raised in or anything. I've seriously found so much value in my roots and ultimately it all contributed to making me exactly who I am today. Um, I'm just wanting to paint this picture for you so you know how these shadows were created. So in this religion, as I think is common in most religions, sexual purity was so prized, sought after, and just totally esteemed. Being completely sexually pure which means that you abstain from sex and anything sexual until after marriage, like abstinence above everything. And also like no masturbation, no watching porn, no making out with your boyfriend, girlfriend. And there is this term that they used all the time growing up in like our youth talks and stuff where they'd say no heavy petting, which was totally condemned and nobody knew what heavy petting meant, which I mean, I think it just means like touching inappropriately. Um, Another rule is that you couldn't date until you were 16. Um, And I would say, sadly, that I think they used fear to enforce this notion. Um, In the religion I was raised in, a goal, like a huge goal is to enter a temple 
to like this sacred space to do ordinances. But to be worthy to enter the temple, you have to be totally sexually pure, among other things. So you do these routine worthiness interviews with the bishop of your ward. Um, A ward is basically like a congregation. Um, But it's a male bishop always. And you're in a room alone with this male bishop and he asks you questions about your worthiness and your sexual purity and all of this stuff. So you see this bishop routinely, but you also go to see him if you've made a mistake and you feel guilt. You're encouraged to go in and confess to the bishop, which I know is also a common practice in other religions. And honestly, I think the act of of confession is supposed to be a healthy thing. I think it is. It's basically what I'm doing right now. It's airing the shadow side so that you can be free of it, so that the things you feel guilty of aren't eating away at you. I think that's the original purpose of it, the intent behind it, but that's rarely what I saw happening. If you went in to talk to the bishop because you felt total shame about something you did, let's say you did something inappropriate with your boyfriend, the bishop would help you to come back to your worthiness by taking different measures. Sometimes it's like taking away your temple recommend or telling you to abstain from taking the sacrament, like the bread and water for a few weeks at church. The consequences are different depending on the circumstance, but it's humiliating as you can probably guess. I know that there are circumstances where this was helpful for people, but for me and my friends who were in the same situation, it wasn't. It was humiliating and evoked so much shame and guilt um, to have someone tell you that you're unworthy and you can't take the sacrament in church and your family is looking at you and wondering why you're not taking the sacrament and other people in the congregation are looking. Um... I don't agree with anyone telling me that I'm worthy or unworthy. Um, I believe in our inherent worthiness, which is our God-given birthright. But this is the space I was raised in. Through my formative childhood and teenage years, I was raised in a home that was pretty... um, I don't want to say like sheltered, but yeah, sheltered. And I, I understand why. But we only watched edited movies. So anything that was PG-13 or R-rated, it was edited. Like all of the impure acts or explicit content was edited out. It was taken out. And I remember as a kid, anytime anyone in a movie or TV show was kissing or making out or sensual in any way, we changed the channel or just like turned off the TV or fast forwarded it. Um... It was always this, like, sexuality was this thing that we kind of avoided. Um, We also had major dating rules. Like I said, you couldn't date until you were 16. And when that happened, you were encouraged to only date in groups, so no steady boyfriends, which only made me want to, like, hide who I was dating even more, who I was going out with, what age I kissed a boy. I hid a lot in this, like, shadowy part. Um, I remember growing boobs early on like I just matured faster and I remember being really embarrassed about it I remember my mom pulling up my top because she could see cleavage and saying too low too low 
Um, and I remember her telling me that she knew my friends wore certain things and they could wear it and it was cute, but that I was sexy and had a sexy little figure and that I couldn't. And bless my mom's heart and mom, if you're listening, I love you so much and no judgment, only love. And we were all just doing our best, but I'm sharing my story and and feeling like as a little teenager that you were a sexual being and not even wanting it was so hard. Um, there was this manual that we read when I was in like the youth church program, which basically outlines all of the rules and guidelines. And it talks about sexual purity and modesty and dress. And you guys, I remember so many times my church leaders telling us in Sunday school that as young women, we were responsible to be modest in our dress and on our actions. And it was our duty to dress modestly in front of the boys in our church to help them to have pure thoughts. So I was raised thinking that if a boy had an impure thought, it was my doing. It's like the Eve syndrome, right? The temptress. Um, We were discouraged from wearing anything revealing, even anything like sleeveless, because I guess my shoulders were tempting. I don't know. So as a teenager, a young adult in my dating years, I was sadly in a few really heartbreaking situations where I was sexually molested, abused, used, um, which is so heartbreaking that this happened to me or anyone but it was really shameful. I think that's common. You feel shame when something happens to you. Um, Especially in my case, it was done by young men, like these young adult men who in my church had positions of power and they used it to their advantage. So when I called them out on doing what they did, they played dumb or said like, I'm the elders quorum president or my dad's a mission president. Do you really think I would dot, dot, dot. Um, and because of the situation I was raised in and the environment, when these situations occurred, I felt sexually impure. I felt used and dirty and I was totally scared And so full of shame. And so I went to my bishop to talk about it, to talk it through, which it felt like a confession, which is so weird. That's so strange because I did nothing wrong. Um, And never once was it helpful when I went to talk to the bishop. I never felt seen or heard or was given compassion or empathy Instead, I was asked after I told them about the sexual misconduct, I was asked if I was dressed modestly on the date. I was asked what I was wearing or if I did anything to invite that behavior, <laughs> which I was not. Even in, the, even in the standards of the church, I was dressed very modestly. Um, no bare shoulders, no cleavage, probably no knees even. And the saddest part of this all is that I felt shame about it. I felt that I had somehow caused it, that I had given the boys a bad thought, that I was sexual, like my body makeup made me sexual and I'd somehow caused them to hurt me. As you can guess, this culture created so much shadow 
it created so much shame. I think a really sad thing about a highly religious culture like this is that by our birthright as humans, we're sexual. We are sexual beings. It's in our biological makeup. Our wiring ensures that we're sexual, but there was no healthy way of expressing that or exploring that as a teenager, a child, or an adult even. There wasn't a way to even ask questions about things or be curious or wonder about things. Um, not There wasn't a way of doing that did, that didn't cause feelings of uncleanliness or impurity. Sexuality was akin to dirtiness to me. And I think because of this, so, so, so many people in this environment turn to pornography to learn about sex because we're curious. They turn to porn for a sexual release. And I think it's really interesting and really sad that Utah has one of the highest rates of porn consumptions in the world. It's sad. It's so, so sad that we're outwardly a really shiny group of people, um, but inwardly just like so confused and suffering. I used to always joke that the guys we were dating in Provo, Utah were all so shiny and proud of the fact that they didn't watch rated R movies, but were all watching porn and masturbating in their bedrooms behind closed doors with no one watching. I've had a lot of people in my life who have had pretty unhealthy porn addictions and at times I thought it was my fault. Growing up, I thought it was my fault that my nature of being a woman and having breasts, it meant that I was a temptress, a sexual being. Um, I was taught that if you had sex before you were married, you were a piece of already chewed gum. I remember um, a Sunday school teacher giving us a lesson about you didn't want to be a piece of chewed gum. You wanted to be a piece of fresh gum for your husband and a man wouldn't choose you if you'd already been chewed up. Um, I'm obviously not sharing everything, but I have had huge shadows surrounding this. That being a sexual person is bad. That being a sexual woman is frowned upon or something to be embarrassed about. I think we give a lot of um leeway to men that like they're so sexual and we give them all of these passes but anytime a woman is sexual it's like I don't know she's judged for it she's called a slut she's called like a skank even outside of a religiously cultural environment I think women are shamed totally shamed for being sexual and so I thought it was embarrassing. I thought it was an embarrassing thing to be sexual. And I'm a Scorpio, which if you know anything about astrology, Scorpios are the sexual astrological sign. And I've had so much shadow around this. And this is especially messy when you're taught complete abstinence until marriage. So you wait until you're married to have sex because you want to be pure so you can enter the temple to get married Because there's so much cultural and religious shame surrounding this that if you don't get married in the Mormon temple, then people ask why and they wonder why you weren't pure and there's so much shadow surrounding this. So you wait to have sex until you're married. And then once you're married, take off all the breaks and you are now expected to be sexual and to have sex with your husband often and to 
please them and know everything that they like, all of their preferences. Um, I remember at my bishop interview before I got married, before I went to the temple, the bishop was giving me some advice and he was telling me that my husband would want to have sex more than me and that it's best not to refuse sex, to not use sex as a tool if you were in a fight and to allow him sex even if I didn't want to or wasn't in the mood. And obviously this is like a load of crap and something that even when the bishop was telling me this, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like in my head, you have got to be kidding me. This is not the game that I'm playing. This is not okay. And luckily I didn't marry someone like that who expected things of me, who was who wasn't completely kind and generous and loving. Um, But this all created so much confusion and shame, as you can probably tell. I remember having this young woman's leader or a Sunday school teacher telling us girls that oral sex was of the devil, that any type of sexual toy was of the devil, which then totally contradicted what I learned later from therapists and things like that, that female orgasms are totally helped with these tools and methods. So shadow, just major shadow. And this is one that I'm honestly still working through, learning how to be fully in touch with my sexuality, with this side of myself and confident in it and not letting shame or embarrassment get in the way. Learning to trust myself and trust my partner and learning about sexuality through experience learning about I'm just still learning about sex and learning to be comfortable and confident in it and to not bring shame into it so for any of you guys listening I want you to know that it's 1000% okay to be sexual to want sex to understand your own sexuality to be very in touch with it and truly owning it It's the way that you're wired. It's the way that your body runs. And being sexual doesn't make you bad or unworthy or dirty. And it's also okay to not want it. It's okay to not have sex if you don't want to and your partner does. You're not a sex machine and it's all okay. You are totally worthy and you are totally good. What's not okay to me is to use another person to sexually exploit them or use them to see them as an object. Um, I still have so much learning and unlearning to do on this subject and shadow to integrate. I totally loved having Val Lyons on the podcast talking about sex for this reason. She was such a safe place to talk about it all. No shame, no judgment, so open And it was kind of the first time I had had someone like that in my life where I felt like I could ask them anything about anything sexually related and they wouldn't even blink an eye. Um, I would totally love to have her on the podcast again sometime in the future. If you guys would be into this and have questions for her even, let me know and I'll see if she can come on. And if Val can't, if Val can't, I will find someone else. I just think that this subject is something that we as women can become so empowered in and there's still so much that we can learn about. So going along with all of this, as I've talked about religion, I have a huge shadow surrounding religion about the religion I was raised in. Um, And so I actually, I took a step out of, or no, 
Like I completely left the religion I was raised in. And you guys, this shadow is big, um, especially where I live, as I'm sure you can deduce from what I've told you, because people know when you're no longer a part of the tribe. They can tell, and I've found they can gossip about the fact that you no longer wear the um, special like undergarment you're supposed to wear if you're active in the church. And for those of you who have no clue what I'm talking about, when you go through the temple, you're given a special undergarment to wear, which the more I know about other religions, the more normal this seems because clothing and sacred clothing tied to covenant making is present in so many religions. I know um, Judaism has a special sacred garment. Of course, like Muslims have garments they wear. But in the area I live, if you're not wearing the garment, people can tell. And because of this shadow, after I went through the temple and completely broke down about it, like knowing to my core that it was not for me, knowing so deeply to the deepest part of me that it wasn't for me, I would still wear things that would lead people to believe that I still wore my garments because I didn't want the shame of people knowing, of people thinking I was bad or that I fell away or that I got lost or that Satan had gotten me, which is such a like bogus thing that people say anytime you question any of the teachings is that like the devil has you in his grasp and like you've been deceived um I didn't want people fearing my decision or me or pitying me and so I would do things from the shadow side like I would still attend church even though my heart was 10,000% out because my shadow thought I would be rejected if I didn't I thought my family would reject me or my friends or my husband's family um And so I played the part. I totally wore the mask and ultimately I broke. I couldn't do it. I couldn't wear the mask anymore. Um, And being untrue to me, it totally broke me. It broke my heart and I couldn't do it. So, I mean, this is me publicly outing myself um, that I no longer do this. Like I no longer do this religious thing. And I'm totally okay with it. And I'm totally okay with people thinking whatever they want about me. Um, And this is a subject that you guys, I have had so many people message me about. So many people are wondering and curious about and honestly want help in. I've received messages from people who are totally lost in it. And I've promised to do a podcast episode on it. And I still have that promise set in place. I This episode is totally coming up um, very, very soon. And I'm going to say again that I have absolutely zero interest in bad-mouthing the church I was raised in. The episode will not be, it's not going to be me bashing. It's not a bashing party. I don't do that. I have only love for it. It won't be victim playing, just me sharing my experience um, and showing you exactly where I'm at. And I hope it will only add like just love and light into your life. I also have a shadow surrounding my spirituality. Um, I totally get embarrassed about it because I'm a deeply, 
deeply spiritual person and like I'm a deeply intuitive person for a All of my life, I've joked that I'm psychic because I just like know things. I know things before they're going to happen in almost a scary way where, and I think we all have this power, right? We're all so deeply intuitive, especially women where like when someone knocks on the door before you open it, you kind of know who it's going to be or when you feel your phone buzz and you know who it's going to be even before you look at the screen, those kinds of things where I've just always been so connected to this spiritual side of me and I'm a huge mystic. I'm a huge mystic. I totally believe in the mystical, spiritual, woo-woo side of life, the magic, like the light, the wonder, all of it. And so I'd get really embarrassed about sharing that side of me about whatever it was from crystals to energy work to alternative kinds of healings to spirit guides to angel numbers to um, any of these kinds of like magical things that are so real to me I would get embarrassed about them and I would totally downplay them of just saying like I know like the stuff that I believe in is kind of weird and like I'm kind of a hippie and yada 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 like I would feel so embarrassed about it and I would hide in that shadow of it because I knew it was so different than the things that everyone around me believes um, and uses but I want you guys to know that no matter what you believe in whatever resonates with you on a very deep level follow that follow those little breadcrumb trails that the that the universe that God leaves for you because that is going to lead you to truth in a way that makes sense to you and a way that's going to guide you the best. This is a side of myself that I'm just fully embracing and just kind of saying whatever, like whatever, whoever doesn't agree with it or believe it or give it any credence, like I don't care. What makes sense to me makes sense to me for a reason and my life is so freaking magical because of it like crazy synchronicities stuff that I cannot make up like I can't even make up the crazy just like magical things that happen in my life it's just like miracles daily miracles daily miracles daily and this is a part of myself that I'm not hiding anymore I'm I'm not hiding in the shadow anymore Um, one of my biggest shadows is surrounding money and the lack mentality. And I mentioned this earlier when I was talking about doing affirmations, I couldn't say the words wealth, money, rich. I couldn't believe them for me. Um, so I was raised in a large family of seven children. I was the youngest of seven kids and I totally get that it's hard to provide for a family that big, especially when my mom was a stay-at-home mom when she wanted to be home with us kids, which I love her for. I had such a beautiful childhood. I had a happy childhood and I love and adore my family. I love my parents. My mom is one of my best friends. So I never want to say anything that would paint anyone in a poor light. But again, I'm just sharing my story and how this shadow was formed. But there was lack things were tight in my family at times. There wasn't enough money at times. And I knew early on that we didn't have as much as other people as friends or 
people at my school, I remember um, my dad telling us at different times that we wouldn't have a Christmas or as big of a Christmas on certain years. Um, I remember going to school and not having money in my account for school lunches and having to charge the lunches on my account, which meant that you got a big red smiley face sticker on your hand. And I was so embarrassed about it. I would get my lunch and they'd stamp my hand and remind me to bring money the next day. And I'd hurry and lick my hand and rub the stamp away on my jeans before sitting down next to my friends to eat. And I remember getting so many stamps on my hand and the lunch lady at one point telling me that I needed to bring money the next day or else I couldn't have lunch. Um, You guys, I felt so much shame Um, I felt so sad and scared when my parents said we couldn't afford something and I I felt sad that I couldn't take dance lessons because it was too expensive or that I got my shoes at Payless. Like instead of owning it though and telling people I didn't have money or whatever, I I just totally faked it. I hid in this shadow Like all of my life, I feared lack. I hated talking about budgets. I I hated it. I hated the talk of money because it it evoked so much fear in me. Um, I didn't feel safe in it. Um, But I learned to work. Like I got a job from a young age and I earned money so I could buy my own clothes and I got scrappy and I played the part. I wore the mask really, really well. And honestly, if you went to school with me, like if you're from Orem, you probably didn't know this about me. And I don't know, maybe you did. Maybe I didn't wear the mask as well as I thought I did. But yeah, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed about my house. I remember because my house didn't look the same as my friend's. And I remember being in elementary school and having my friend's mom drop me off at my neighbor's house and pretending like I lived at my neighbor's house, which made it so embarrassing when my friend's mom waited in the car in the driveway until I walked to the door. You guys, I am like, I have tears in my eyes, like laughing, crying right now because I have story after story like this about this lack mentality and being so afraid of it and never owning it just faking it um and here's the thing though if you fear lack and you never really believe that you're worthy of more of just like pure lasting abundance it follows you So when I was 18, I went to aesthetic school and I got my master's in aesthetics and I started making lots of money at a very young age. But the thing is, is you can you can have money and you can have lots of money and still fear it. You can fear lack. You can still wear the mask and you can fear talking about money. And that's the thing when people talk about money, especially in the form of budgeting or money in any serious way, I clam up. Like the blood drains from my face, I get this like sick gut feeling because from a young age, money was so scary. It's so scary not feeling safe. It's scary having people argue about money. So even now, this shadow makes me fear money. And I've noticed that I do this thing when something surfaces that I don't like or when someone wants to have a conversation that I don't like. I do this thing where 
Um, okay, do you know how little kids, like toddler age, little baby kids, when they play hide and seek, instead of hiding, they just cover their eyes with their hands or they close their eyes and they think that if they can't see you, you can't see them. I do that. I've done that. And I notice I do this around money. If I didn't like something, I just energetically cover my eyes. And I know it's a coping mechanism. It's this scared little kid in me wanting to feel safe. And it's this little kid in me that just needs healing. So this behavior has led me to forgetting to pay bills, um, only wanting to buy like fun stuff with my money and never anything serious with my money. Um, it's led me to never wanting to feel like I lacked anything. So just buying tons of crap I didn't need. I used like spending money as this coping mechanism, right? Like we all have coping mechanisms or crutches that we use to help us just cope. Like maybe yours is food or eating sugar or getting coffee or I don't know, like having sex, like I don't know what everyone's coping mechanism is, but this was mine. I would just buy stuff, buy stuff I didn't need. I hated looking at my bank account because it didn't feel like fun. It felt scary. Um, Buying whatever I wanted to, it led me to um, getting into debt for things that I didn't need to get into debt for, which just created more shame. Like I said before, it led me to forgetting to just pay bills because It felt not fun. And this coalesced into a bill collector coming to my door. You guys, I'm not even joking. One of the most humiliating experiences of my life when a guy comes to the door to give me papers and I have no clue what's going on because it's something I forgot about. And telling my husband, I have no idea what this is. Like so naive and just clueless and genuinely not knowing what was going on. And it freaked me out, which just created more shame and it made me feel so small. And here's the thing, you guys, God, the universe, whatever you call God, wants you to be free of these limiting beliefs. Because they are untruths, right? As like as creations of God, we are worthy of love and abundance and just complete worth. So you repeat lessons until you learn something, until you spiral up and out of it. And these money lessons, no matter how much I was making, it had nothing to do with how much I was making. They followed me. My self-worth around money didn't match. And you can't invite true, lasting abundance into your life if your worth is telling you otherwise. If you're saying wealth-rooted affirmations, you're not going to be able to actually attract true abundance and worth if you can't believe it on a subconscious level, which is what happened to me. When you feel worthy of more, you don't need to wear the mask. You just are. You just are abundant. You don't need to buy stuff to try to fill this like emotional void. You just live in this place of abundance and security and self-worth and gratitude. And when you feel worthy of more, 
you attract more. You recognizing your innate worthiness will attract abundance and you won't need to fill your life with all of that meaningless stuff to fill the voids. And buying stuff like that is just a coping mechanism so that the little inner child in you will feel safe and protected and free. And honestly, I see this stuff happening to so many of us, calling self-love going to Target and spending $200. Like that's not self-love, that's coping. That's not wanting to deal with the heavy emotions that you're dealing with and just sitting with the emotions. So this is one that I'm just trying to heal, to heal this inner child, this little girl who's freaked out about money, who just wants to feel safe and secure. And it's me just outing this and recognizing that I'm still and always will be worthy of love and safe and protected and abundant. Okay, so I also have shadows, huge shadows surrounding my appearance, which I honestly don't know a single person who doesn't or who hasn't struggled with some type of like physical appearance embarrassment or shadow. I think it's just the world that we live in, a society that prizes our appearances. Have you ever felt like you had to wear makeup or you just didn't feel confident without wearing makeup or mascara or that you needed a spray tan to feel confident or your eyelash extensions? These things that aren't us, but we use as a crutch. I totally have shadows surrounding my appearance, like just random things that for some reason I get embarrassed about, like my height. I'm only 5'3". See, even that by saying like I'm only 5'3", um, because society tells us that being tall is better, right? Models are tall, like it's this like thing that we prize. So we wear high heels to be taller and it's all dumb. It's all a story. Um... And it's not one that I really care about anymore. I don't wear high heels anymore. I guess I do sometimes if I'm going out, but I feel like I used to wear them as a crutch, whereas now I just freaking love wearing my Nikes and Vans because they're comfortable. I don't care as much, but it's definitely something I had shadow around. I remember being in elementary school and lining up according to height and being the last one in line, always, the little petite girl on the end, um, I remember once dating a guy who, <laughs> who when we were on a date once, he out loud wished that I were taller so he didn't have to bend down as much to kiss me. Or I remember the first time I met this person on my in-laws side, I won't say who, the first time meeting them and them asking, how tall are you even? Like I felt so much shame about it because society tells us that certain things are better, but bull crap, like I don't believe it. I don't believe it at all. Um, I have shadows surrounding, I broke my nose as a little girl. I fell off a bunk bed, I broke my collarbone, my nose, I got a concussion, I was in the hospital. So my nose is a, like a little off center and I have a bump and I totally get embarrassed about it. Um, 
I also have shadow around the fact that if I ever decided to get it surgically fixed because I can't breathe out of one side of my nose, one nostril is like totally collapsed. Like if you were to look at my nose from the underside looking up, you would see that like one nostril is collapsed. I feel like people would judge me for fixing it. Like I get weird and embarrassed and have shadow surrounding this. I have a shadow because I have stretch marks on my inner thighs from when I went through puberty, like up on my higher inner thighs, which working in the skincare industry and doing so many Brazilians and seeing so many naked women is just so normal. I don't think I've seen one person without any kind of stretch marks, but it's something that I still kind of feel embarrassed about. Um, I have shadows surrounding my skin and my appearance. Um, because I feel like because of the industry I work in, because I'm an esthetician, because skincare has been my forte for so long, I feel like it should always be perfect that I should never have a blemish or I should have teeny tiny small pores or whatever. And I am like, I'm no one. I like, I get it. I am no one on Instagram. Like I'm not an influencer, But I still get recognized when I'm out and it blows my mind because like I said, like I don't, I'm no one. Um, But I'll be in random places or like out of state and people will come up to me and ask if I'm cafe binge, which is so weird and so fun. And I always worry about it. I always worry that like my skin won't be pretty enough or I'll look different than I do in pictures. Like I have just this shadow surrounding my appearance and doing affirmations like my Louise Hay affirmations just looking in the mirror and telling myself how much I love me exactly how I am has healed so much I feel like in the last I don't know four years I've come so far in this to where like I don't need to wear makeup I don't need to wear heels I don't need to have eyelash extensions like all of these things that I used as a crutch for so many years I just don't care about anymore so I feel like this is when I'm still healing but obviously there's still some shadow there and honestly probably something that I'll just continue to work on throughout my life right because we just live in this society that's obsessed with beauty right like I from a little girl from a young age I just wanted to be beautiful and I think we kind of brainwash little girls into thinking that their beauty is their most prized possession right we like give them princess dresses and tell them how pretty they are all the time and so we learn that it's so important and honestly like for so much of my life I didn't feel pretty as a teenager especially I did not feel pretty I wanted to be beautiful I wanted to be like confident and not just fake it. Um, I mean, maybe that's a reason I went to aesthetic school, right? To just understand beauty. So even now when people like will compliment me on my appearance, I totally deflect. I have the hardest time taking a compliment and I don't think I quite believe them. So yeah, this is something that I'm definitely still working on. And that's totally okay with me. It's something that I'm actively working on and am more and more and more at peace with it every single day. Another area that I can get feeling shame for is surrounding my body weight. And not really in the way that you would think. I mean, 
So I, I've talked about this a lot in my intuitive eating podcast and I'm sure in other places on Instagram, but I've been practicing intuitive eating for years and years and years and years and that led me to different things where that was first just eating tons of junk food and still not really gaining weight because I didn't really have this attachment to an outcome or I didn't feel guilt around food and that next led me into eating more of a plant-based vegan diet. Um, But throughout this process of intuitive eating, I've been up and down in my weight and um, I never really had this attachment to my weight. I remember telling my husband when we were dating, like, hey, listen, women's bodies are always changing and I want you to know that I have no... I have no attachment to a certain body type. Like it's taken me years to get to this place. But I remember telling him that like maybe sometimes I'm going to be heavier. Like if we have kids, I'm going to be heavier. Like I don't know what my body's going to look like after I have a baby. Sometimes when I'm on my period, I can get bloated. Like I just didn't have these attachments and I also, I don't like having a bathroom scale in my house. Like I don't. I don't weigh myself like on any given day. I could not tell you how much I weigh. I'd have no clue because I just don't think it matters. But where I do have a little bit of shadow still is that. So before I got married, I was just in this space of being so stressed to this day. I don't think I've ever been so stressed and I dropped weight quickly and because I don't have like a bathroom scale and because I don't really focus on this I didn't know that I was losing weight I didn't know that I was losing weight until people were telling me and like people would ask if I was like I don't know working out or eating healthier and I was like no I don't I'm not I don't know like I'm not doing anything and they'd ask me if I'd lose weight and I'd say, I don't know. And I didn't notice for myself until I saw that my pants were getting bigger on me and like I had to get a different size of pants. Um, And where I still feel shame is that people projected their own stories onto me, their stories of how I lost weight, um, which for most of them meant that I was on a diet or that I wasn't eating, that I was anorexic, that I had an eating disorder. Like I can't tell you how many people projected their story of what it means to lose weight onto me, which wasn't my story. And so I absorbed their shame from their projection onto me. And so I started getting like worried about it of like, oh my goodness, like what are people going to think? Like what are they going to think? And so like if um, someone offered me food and I was like, oh, I'm not hungry. Like I feel like they would give me this look or people would exchange these like knowing glances between each other and like I remember people talking to my husband or like my fiance at the time asking like if I was okay or if I was eating and that brought me so much shame, like so much embarrassment because I also had done so much inner work to be able to get to a place where I didn't care. Like I didn't care about my body size. I mean, maybe we all care a little bit, right? But like I absorb that. So even now, like if I, if we go out to eat and 
we like say we go to a restaurant, we're all done with our meal and I have to go to the bathroom. Like I get nervous that I think people think that I'm going to the bathroom to throw up or something, that they think I'm bulimic or that they still have this story about me because people projected their stories for so long onto me which wasn't the case which wasn't my story but this is something that I still like I get kind of like I get a little bit weird about and I think it's an unfair thing that we do to women um, especially because I know that like if my husband were if we were to go out to eat and we were with a big group of people and my husband was like I'm just like not hungry I don't feel that good Um, I'm just going to get like a cup of soup or I don't know, whatever the story is. I'm just going to get like a side salad or a side of fries or whatever. No one would blink an eye. Like no one blinks an eye if a guy says that. Um, but if you're at like a family get together or you're on family vacation and there's a big breakfast made and you wake up in the morning and you're just not hungry. Like for me, if I'm like, oh, I'm not hungry, like there's now a story surrounding that of why I'm not hungry. Why aren't you eating? Like breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Whereas I feel like if a guy were to say that, like no questions are asked. It's just like whatever. So this is also something that I'm still just trying to silence the shame around it and just being confident in knowing who I am and my story um, and and not caring what people think. Like, who cares? Who cares if they project their story onto me of what they think I'm doing to be able to look a certain way? Like, who cares? Because ultimately, what people think of me, it's none of my business. What people think of you is none of your business. And I feel like as soon as we realize this that it's not our business people can think whatever they want about me it frees up a lot of space a lot of energy that we oh that we exert into caring what people think so yeah that's a little um other shadow that I have that I'm still working on so the last shadow that I'm going to talk with you guys about today is going to answer some questions that so many of you guys have messaged me about, which I get. Um, Why was I in California for so long? Why did I stop podcasting? Why was I kind of absent? Where have I been? And finally, am I still married? Um, So yeah, I am. I'm still married. And I was also separated for about six months um, of this past year, which is crazy. It's crazy that... I mean, one, I was even in that position, and two, that it was six months long. Um, As you can guess, times were pretty heavy and really confusing and just like heartbreaking, and your world kind of like flips upside down. Um, I was in California staying with my sister to just like get some space and healing and clarity of mind. Um, But also, it's just a place I could go, like, for the first time in my life because I've just been, like, self-sufficient. Like I said, I worked from a young age. It was kind of the first time in my life I just really had to ask for help and, like, I need somewhere to go. And my sister, who's one of my best friends, um, was in California and obviously welcomed me with open arms and it was just a place I could go and heal and be by the ocean and just, like 
learn to breathe again and meditate and just be at peace. Um, And honestly, this is something that I don't feel a lot of shame about. Um, But I haven't wanted to share this because it wasn't just my story and it included someone else who I cared about a lot and I never wanted my husband to be painted in a poor light because he's wonderful he did absolutely nothing wrong and we've always been really good friends and even even through being separated we were really good friends and we loved each other and we've been working on it and I didn't want to hurt him by talking about it But I also, I don't want to live in a shadowy place and I just want to be real with you and that I'm not perfect and that my relationship isn't perfect because no relationship is and they're always a work in progress. And I just didn't want to lead you to believe that I took a three-month-long vacation to California just for fun. I just want to be real about struggles. Um, Yeah, but I'm back in Utah and we're still together and we still love each other and we're still working on us and we're still working on love and on unblocking and on repairing. And it's been a really good experience. It's been hard and heartbreaking, um, but also really beautiful because I truly believe that like, the breaking leads to opening and the opening allows expansion to happen and it's in those kind of like rock bottom moments that you grow right and it was this time in my life where I just like had nothing and when I realized that I really didn't need anything and that everything I needed was within me it was this time where I didn't have to buy things because I was sad or to fill this void it was just this like pure time where I really sat with myself and tried to figure me out and to heal myself right like I feel like in relationships two whole people come together it's like you you can't expect the other person to fix you or to make you happy or whatever like two whole complete happy people can come together and make this really beautiful relationship happen. So yeah, this is something that I honestly, like I do feel I have shadow around. It's something that I totally would have shared. But again, like it wasn't just my story. It's still not just my story. And I just want to be careful in like what I share because there is this other person involved who I care about so deeply. Um... But yeah, I just want to be real. And honestly, I just want to give you permission to do the same, to be open, no shame. Relationships are tricky and that's okay. You don't need to pretend with me or wear a mask. And I just want you guys to know that you have a safe place within me. I'm a vault. If any of you guys need to talk about anything, about marriage difficulties, religion, body image issues, any other shadowy aspect, like you could tell me anything and I still love you. Like you say you stole from a Nordstrom once and you feel so much shame or you have debt you're wanting to heal or you're struggling in a relationship or you're trying to stop like self-destructive behavior 
You are totally loved and worthy in my eyes still, no matter what you've done. I love you. I see you. And I hope we all try to keep seeing and integrating our shadows. And when something comes up that causes us to feel small again and something we think we need to hide, I hope we share it and just free ourselves and allow ourselves that freedom and that we don't have to let fear rule our lives. I hope we just step into our innate worth and know that we're worthy because we exist and we're worthy of love and acceptance right now, no matter what mistakes we've made because of our true and authentic selves. So yeah, know that I love you. I'm here. I'm back podcasting. Life was a little bit heavy for a long time and I gave myself the break and the space that I needed and know that if you guys are going through your own rock bottom or something's happening, give yourself a break, give yourself time, give yourself space, get into nature, whatever that looks like for you. If you can't go to the ocean, go to whatever nature space is calling to you and just get back in touch with yourself. Get back in touch with yourself and start integrating the shadow. Start accepting the shadow. Start seeing all of the different parts of you that have been hurting for so long. All the parts that feel scary to look at. Start looking at them. Start being grateful for them and start seeing the healing that needs to happen. That needs to happen within you. And then be excited. Be excited that as soon as you share it and can start integrating that, you're free. You are totally, totally free. So yeah, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for sitting with me as I share. If any of you guys are still listening, thank you. Thank you for being here with me in my shadow. Um, I love you and I'm here. I'm here for you if you need me to listen if you need an ear to hear you and to see your shadow and to still tell you that you're loved and you're worthy um so yeah I'm back there are new episodes coming soon I just am so grateful for your patience with me um I still like blows my mind that I haven't podcasted in months and I still have people tagging me in like Instagram stories, sharing podcast episodes still. So yeah, I'm so, so eternally grateful for all of you and especially for you guys who have kind of known that something has been going on and have offered so much love and support. Um, You guys have totally been rocks for me. Um, You've been safe spaces and you've offered love when I felt totally unlovable and was hurting. So Thank you so much. I love you guys so big and thanks for listening. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Cafe Binge Podcast. Until next time, may you notice all the wonderful, beautiful, binge-worthy parts of your day. Squeeze out every last drop, taste them, cherish them because life was meant to be beautiful. Find me at cafebinge.com or on Instagram at cafebinge. Take me out to Cafe Binge tonight.